Yeah, 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 yeah. I hear you. It's a good intro. Uh, <laughs> it really is. Uh, Kingdom Living, we are in this moment in time looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And a couple weeks ago, we began to look at the Beatitudes. What does it mean to live the blessed life? What, how does that play out? We then looked at this idea of radiating Jesus. What does it mean to be salt and light and to realize that he's the only one that ultimately fulfills everything required and then unleashes life as it was meant to be in our life. Last week, we uh, hit pause on the Sermon on the Mount long enough to hear a message about what is love. And, and this idea that, in fact, without love, none of it matters. And in fact, love is different than what the world is constantly pushing us into. That Jesus' love is not just an emotion, but it's something that as we think about our attitudes and our actions matters deeply in this world. And as we pick up the Sermon on the Mount today, uh, we're in Matthew 5. And as we look at these verses, these are verses that begin to address, uh, and you'll notice as we walk through it, that Jesus is going to say, hey, you once heard it was this way, but now I'm raising the bar. I'm raising the standard on what it means to live in my kingdom. And as I do that, uh, I'm going to show you a new way. And he actually addresses six really important life issues that we'll be tackling over the next few weeks. The one today we're looking at uh, is this idea of, of anger and, and forgiveness and reconciliation and what do we do with that in a world that is literally living in many, in most moments, in complete outrage. Has anybody else noticed? I, I mean, there is so much anger in our world right now. And here's Jesus showing up and he's saying, I've got a better way. I, I have a different way of living. And so I believe today is going to be really practical uh, because it's for your neighbor, not you, right? You're not angry. You're not dealing with anything inside. I mean, come on, I'm, I'm joking. We all have something going on. And the title today is Hitting the Ceiling. And I, I want to ask you the, that question to begin with. Are you hitting the ceiling in your life? I, I mean, maybe you recognize that you're hitting a ceiling of, of life in general, and, and maybe it's a ceiling in your walk with Jesus. Maybe it's a ceiling in your walk with others. Maybe it's a ceiling with how you are able to handle what life is throwing at you. But are you hitting a ceiling? Because I believe... That's the question that if we find Jesus in the middle of it, can change everything. You'll see by the end today that our God removes ceilings. That, that in fact, he'll use people to remove ceilings so that we can grow with him, that we can become who he's called us to be. I can remember as a kid, you know, the, as you're growing you know, older, I almost like found an old picture of me like in fifth or sixth grade, uh, you know, where that was where I started to grow a little and it was like, I want to jump up and touch the ceiling. And, and, and then once you could touch it, that, that wasn't enough. So then, you know, it was, okay, can I, get my, can I get my palm on the ceiling? And then my elbow, I never could. My, some of my friends could jump, I could not. And, and, and so there was always this striving for something more, but then also realizing that life often and even some of my responses to life was putting a ceiling and a lid on me. Maybe you can relate. And, and Jesus has something to say about that today, and so do the scriptures. Let's take a look. In Matthew chapter 5, we pick up in verse 21. 
He says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. He's pointing back to the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 20, it's the sixth of the 10 commandments, He's pointing out something that they were aware of and they would have known as people who are familiar with the law. But he's going to change it a little, or a lot, if you really look at what he says. He says, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults, can you say insults? insults his brother will be liable to the council. That would have been the priests, the Sanhedrin, it was the high rulers, it was those that they would have had to come before. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Aren't you glad that when we hear things like this that we also reminded that Jesus paid that price? that in fact we would have to pay that penny if it wasn't for Jesus. But the key is, can we get honest enough to bring Jesus into our situations, into the spaces where we need him most? Because as we hear those scriptures today, we may realize that, that we're dealing with a world that, as I said, is living in a rage. If you're taking notes here, anger happens. It's an emotion, it's a God-given emotion. There's a righteous anger scripture talks about. Anger happens, but angry actions don't have to happen. You see, there's an escalation that Jesus is speaking to there. He's saying, you know, when you get angry, don't insult, don't blame, don't get to a place where you actually are calling them, and in the Aramaic, it's the word raka. Some would translate it as fool or idiot where we're literally moving from insulting others because of our anger towards them to now speaking names about them. Have you noticed that's kind of what we feed on in America right now? I mean, I'm pretty sure if I turn on any news channel, any social media, that I see a lot of this happening. Not from Christians. Thank you. Thank you. For those online right now, they're laughing. I hope you are too. Yes, it's from us because we have an issue. And and, and the angry actions don't have to happen. And this escalation doesn't have to happen. I can remember about 14, 15 years ago, sitting with a counselor who loved me enough to tell me the truth, which is he thought I had an anger problem. Said that in front of my wife in a moment that I had to receive it because I began to realize that there was an escalation happening in my life that God needed to invite me into working on. You see, James 1.19 became a key verse for me. Uh, It says this, if we could pull that up. It says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. The assumption is that we will, at times, become angry, but again, it's what we do in our anger and with our actions that matter. 
So let me break something down for you. If you're taking notes, uh, we're going to move over here to the whiteboard. And uh, I, I want to show you something very practical that, that hopefully helps. But we're going to fill in the notes first, and then I'll, I'll unpack it on the whiteboard. I guess it's a blackboard today. Uh, if you're taking notes, understand the expectation gap. Understand the emotional gap. Understand how God fills the grace gap and how he fills gaps in general. So let's take a look at what this means and, and what it looks like. So in life, there is reality. There's also our expectations. Some of you have seen this in couples counseling and in other places, but I think it holds true of all of life. And so we have reality and expectations. And, and in between reality and expectations, there's usually a gap, right? There, there's usually a difference between what's really going on in life and what we had hoped for and what we had expected. And, and what happens then is there's this space, this gap, where emotions begin to enter in. Can you read my handwriting? Say yes, please. Okay. And it's in this place where the emotions are, in that gap, that things begin to happen and anger begins to emerge and it begins to kind of spike at times, doesn't it? And, and what's interesting is there's a ceiling often that we don't even realize is there, that, that we're hitting a ceiling in life and, and this is where the anger actually begins to come out. Now, some of you, as you think about that spike above the line there, above the ceiling, you know exactly what I'm talking about, because you're like me. You have outbursts. Nobody else? Man, we have a very calm, peaceful church. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. But, but there's times where the emotions build, and then we have an outburst. But you, do, you need to understand that anger doesn't just become an outburst, it can become an inburst. That, that actually anger has another way of showing up in our lives. Some of us, it turns inward. Some would say forms of depression are inward anger. But, but we stonewall, we shut down. So while one may explode, one can implode, and both are manifestations of anger. Now, what's helped me is to realize that anger is a secondary emotion. Say second. We see it, but we often miss what's underneath of it. And this is what is so vital. You see, underneath that are sometimes emotions like pride, fear, insecurity, hurt, put wounds up there. And what happens is when these things begin to get triggered, there comes a moment where we're tempted to try to take control because most anger manifests when we feel things are out of control. So we take control by either hitting the ceiling and having an outburst or hitting the ceiling and shutting down. Church, I'm trying to help us today. I've been through this for about 14 years. I'm still a work in progress, okay? But what's helped is to begin to realize, okay, if I'm feeling this, what's happening in here? 
What in here is God wanting to do to close the gap with his grace, with his spirit? Because my God closes gaps. And he is able to help me see the difference between reality and my expectations. And I'm just drawing it this way because I'm going to tell you, you aren't always going to get your way. You aren't always going to get what you expect. But you also have to be willing at times to live in reality. And I believe God can bring both of those closer and closer with his grace. So as we look at this today, again, let's go back to the notes. Understand there's an expectation gap. If we can, I'm done with the slide and that's my fault. I'm supposed to do this and that. Okay. Um, understand there's an expectation gap. There's an emotional gap underneath of us. And as we look at that, God wants to speak into these today. He wants you to understand that reality next to the expectations is where he wants to meet you. Whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in, uh, you know, out in, in the, we'll call it the real world, the day-to-day stuff. There's also an emotional piece How many of you know he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? He cares about all of that. And so we understand the emotional gap, we understand the grace gap, that often it's the missing and lack of God's grace that's getting in the way. And understand that God fills gaps, and he's able and willing, and we're going to look at how he does that. The reality is, if you're taking notes, that angry actions, this is talked about in the text there, if you have something wrong between you and another, it said, go and make it right. You see, angry actions damage, they divide, and they even distance relationships. I want to show you another text that speaks to this so well in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 25 says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry. See, the assumption is you're going to get angry and do not sin. That's where we don't do the actions that are damaging, dividing, and hurtful. Can I get an amen? Amen. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So, So check this out. This doesn't mean you've resolved it all. This doesn't mean the conflict is fixed. This means... You take care of you, and you don't go bad angry. That you trust the Lord, and you find a way to simadana. Have you ever heard it translated that way? (laughs) Simadana, it's not in my notes. Where you literally begin to find, how do I go to bed not angry? Because if I go to bed angry, look at what it says. It says, and give no opportunity to the devil. See, the devil can sweep in in those moments and create strongholds. It says, let the thief no longer steal, that's what the enemy wants to do, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So you think about these verses and what it means. Again, Jesus is asking us to recognize how damaging the anger can be, the ways that it can affect our relationships the way that the enemy wants to use it. So what did he say, Jesus, in Matthew 5, verse 23 through 26? He said, so if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, 
Leave your gift there before the altar and first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. He's saying, listen, you can come to worship. You can come to give. You can come and do that. But if you're holding on to a grudge or a grievance or something else against another and it's affecting your earthly relationships, go make it right. Reconcile with them so you can come before me and be reconciled at another level. That's a ceiling in our walk with Jesus. When we aren't dealing with the stuff on earth, We invite Jesus into it and he begins to change things. But he also looks at us and says, listen, you've said things you shouldn't have said about that person. You've said things. And and here's the thing, for you, it may not be somebody that you can, can go to readily. It may be that it's a TV personality. It could be that it's a politician. Woo! Kingdom living, right? It's bigger than the government. It could be something that inherently has gotten you so angry and bent out of shape that the Lord is saying, get right in that space so you can be right with me and I can lift the ceiling. God has an amazing way of taking us from escalation to de-escalating us. And forgiveness is a huge part of it. It goes on to say in verse Uh, 25, come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you've paid the last penny. That means that forgiveness and mercy is a part of what happens when we begin to make things right with others. There's blessing that comes with forgiveness. If you're taking notes, forgiveness restores relationship and blessing. I know you want God's blessing. It's why you're here today, right? You want to walk in the favor of God, the joy and the happiness of God. I do. Do you? And and in that, there's this forgiveness that we need to have between God and us, but also us and others that leads to that ceiling being lifted, more of his blessing being poured out because we're living according to the kingdom and according to what Jesus taught. I'm gonna just tell you, you're probably sitting there going, yeah, I get it. Forgiveness restores relationships and blessing, but that's not what I'm seeing lived out in the world. That's not what I'm seeing lived out in Christianity or even in the modern church. Have you noticed even churches don't treat each other very well? Christians don't treat each other very well? I mean, come on. What if it began with you today? Not because I'm asking you to or saying anything, but because you begin to sense what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. And you begin to say, okay, I don't want to hit the ceiling anymore. I want God to do something. I want him to free me to to be restored in new ways and to be blessed. You see, we can look for all the excuses and reasons why, well, nobody else is. They should come do it. It's on them. Or we could say, Lord, thank you for trusting me to follow you and to live this way. There's a blessing that comes with it. And look at what verses 29 through 32 said back to Ephesians 4. It says this, Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up 
as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Did you know that if we live in unforgiveness and bitterness and anger, we are grieving the Holy Spirit? It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And notice here how de-escalation happens. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. That's escalation. That's another moment where it, if you literally look at the Greek tenses of the words, they grow in intensity from one to the next. That's what anger will do. It'll take hold. And if you don't deal with it, if you don't begin to get right and ask God for forgiveness in others, it begins to escalate. And before long, you're going to lose it in one way or another. And so here's the remedy, the antidote. Verse 32, it says, be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. It's the kindness that we begin to demonstrate towards others, the love of God that softens our heart and softens their heart, that actually then tenderizes us and gets us to a place where we can actually begin to truly forgive. Part of what happens is in that is we realize that maybe we've been fighting the wrong battle. We've been fighting to be right when God is saying, listen, that's your expectations and, and all that. Do you want to be right? Do you want to win the argument? Or do you want to actually be right with me and with others? If you're taking notes, this is the last point I want to make. Redefine the fight. And focus on staying in right relationship more than being right. When we focus on being in right relationship with God and with others, there will be times where we'll still think we're right. Anybody? But the higher value is that unity with the Lord and with others and receiving his blessing, walking in his favor. And so I, I wanna take you to one last text this morning in Mark chapter two. It's an interesting one. I didn't see it coming as I was praying about God, okay, how, how do you want, like if we're hitting the ceiling, how and in, in what will help us understand this? And there's actually a really amazing story in the gospels very early on in Mark that is shared about a group of friends that have another friend that's actually a paralytic and he needs healing. And, and in that, they bring him to the Lord, and there's some interaction there that I think speaks to hitting the ceiling and how we can remove it and how our God can even look at us in these moments and say, all right, you heard me, now rise up. Let's take a look at it. I'm just going to read it. Verse 1, and when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. So there's a room, Jesus is teach, er, teaching and preaching. It's filled to the ceiling. See how I use that there? Come on. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could got, not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof, which would have been the ceiling. There was no drop ceilings back then. The roof was the ceiling, okay? 
So they removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. He needed healing, but Jesus began with forgiveness. Do not miss this. We can come to Jesus for all this other stuff, and he's saying, I want to start with forgiveness. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your, sons, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, rise, can you say rise? rise? Rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, and this is often what Jesus would do, he would often be about the larger, bigger issue, but he would do an earthly miracle so they could see the authority that he had. Jesus has all authority on heaven and earth. And so he says, so they can see it, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Here's what I believe today. I believe that there is a ceiling that is holding back many of our lives individually, many of our lives corporately as a church, and that Jesus is saying, will you come to me? Rip off the roof, the ceiling, anything that's in the way, because if you come to me, I've got the answer. I've got the way, and I'll grant you forgiveness, which is what we need more than anything that you can receive from Jesus and also share with others. But in that, I believe there will be answered prayer on other issues. You see, when we are bound up in anger and unforgiveness, it is, medically speaking, a stressor. And medically speaking, stress causes many of the illnesses and things we deal with in life. It's a ceiling. And I believe that the Lord wants to do something in our hearts and minds right now. I don't know what it looks like. I just know I got three questions and I'm gonna pray us in. And this was a 18 minute message today. 20, no, 30, 30 minutes. Some of you are like, nah, pastor. <laughs> I just triggered some of you, didn't I? You know, and that's, honestly, that's a word I didn't use earlier that needs to be used in this day and age. There are things that trigger us. And the question we need to ask is what's underneath this? Why? Why? Right? So one, are you in right relationship with God? Two, are you in right relationship with others? Is there a grievance, a grudge, something that needs to be reconciled? And third, are you ready to remove the ceiling today to let Jesus work? Wednesday was a really hard day for me. Really hard day. Not gonna get into detail. I'm gonna just say that I was on my mat and I felt paralyzed. 
in a way that I had never experienced in my entire life. And it was in that moment that God was honestly speaking to me this message. I was telling my wife, Cindy, this morning, I could have put this thing on a post-it note today because literally I, I didn't know exactly how it was gonna come out, but I knew it was from the Lord because while I was paralyzed is how it felt, emotionally, spiritually, physically, you ever been there? Just feel all the warfare, all the attack, you're hitting the ceiling, you've reached the limit. The Lord is speaking into my life and I believe he's wanting you to hear the same thing because I began to hear him say, get up, get up, rise, trust me, walk with me, believe for what I can do. And it wasn't because, I, I'm gonna just be honest, it wasn't because I figured it all out. I had brothers and sisters send me songs, send me verses, a wife who prayed over me prophetically, and God began to move. None of us can do this alone. So what am I saying right now? We're gonna pray into this moment and it's time for you to rise up and to be obedient. So right now, get up, get up and let me pray us in. Cause this is between you and the Lord is what we usually say, but it actually might be that the ceiling in your life is between you and somebody else right now. So whatever that looks like, I can remember when I first heard a message around that text about 25 years ago, I was good, before I could receive communion, the Lord said, you need to go and make it right with your boss. He had, no, he had done nothing wrong, but I was bitter and I didn't like him. And God said, you need to go and confess this and ask for forgiveness and make it right. We had an amazing two years together after that moment. Father, I love you. I believe our church loves you. And we believe that the plans that you have for us are good. And it's in moments like these that we realize there are ceilings that we need to allow you to rip through that we could experience the fullness of what you have for us. So Father, we give you this time. Have your way. Move among us. The altar will be open again in Jesus' name. You can come forward, allow him to lead. I'm gonna turn it over to our worship team.